you would take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of 1 John. Uh, this morning, kind of the message I preached this morning kind of ties in with this one for sure. You may hear a couple things repeated, but I, I just I started thinking about this uh, phrase again this morning where John uses this, this is it. And I wanted to preach this message, this is it. We, and in fact, we're in a day and age now, it, 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 maybe it's just me, but it appears that so many people are doubting the word of God. So many people are saying, well, you know, they have a point of what they believe. I, I mean, from everything from the satanic church to Muslims uh, and on and on. And uh, in the Bible, it's not that there wasn't, well, they have their way. There's many roads. All roads lead to Rome. Well, the only problem is we're not going to Rome. When I die, I don't want to go to Rome. I'm going to heaven. And praise God, there's only one way there, and Jesus has taken care of it. But let's read there, uh, 1 John 1 and verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Oh, our gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that tonight as we look into this passage that you just stir our hearts. I know it stirred my heart once again as I read this and, and it just it reinforces what we believe. There is no room for compromise. And there is no room for second opinions or third opinions or ideas. There's only one message, one way. We, with, with uh, compassion, will claim this truth. In his name, amen. The invisible presence of the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to never be certainty of darkness. I, I, I know all of you, I'm sure, have been in situations where there was no light hardly at all, and it's very difficult to see. And if you're in a place like a cave where they shut all the lights out, long enough, you can only, like you're not sure which way is which, up or down, disturbing to be in blackness. But I think it's even more unnerving to be in this world kind of feeling like roll the dice and say, I just hope it works in life and all the decisions that we make when we don't have to. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to never be in the uncertainty of darkness. Now, time after time, as a student at Tennessee Temple University, I heard Dr. Lee Robertson, what a privilege to sit under that for the years I had uh, there at Tennessee Temple. But I and say this phrase as well, and not always referring to the Bible. Uh, Dr. Robertson get up behind the pulpit and say, this is it. Young people, this is the way we're going to do it. This is it. He didn't ask for our permission. He didn't ask for anybody else's uh, uh, opinion. He said, this is it. And I, I thought, I think this is what John is saying here. This, and by the way, Dr. Lee Robertson, man of his word, was a man who stood by the truth early in his, his ministry he was Southern Baptist, and, and I'm Southern Baptist, but I'm just saying they told him then that he needed to compromise and he needed to go with all what all of the others were doing. Do that. And he, they told him this, well, your ministry will never go anywhere, and we're going to blacklist you. Well, I don't know what happened, but he was on the right list. He was on God's list. He did what God wanted him to do. Uh, they pretty much kicked him out of the Southern Baptist Convention, and, uh, but he just kept preaching the word of God. 
because he said, this is it. There's no room for compromise when it comes to the word of God. And that's what John is saying here as well. This is the message. It's not one of the messages. John is a very unique person. He wrote over 50 chapters in the Bible. And when he wrote the book of John, he taught us how to believe. If you go through the book of you'll see 98 times he used that word believe there in the book of John. Oh, there we find how to believe and who to believe in. And then uh, when he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he taught us how to behave ourselves. Boy, that clarifies a lot of things too. I think there's a lot of Christians that need to maybe refresh their memory a bit of how we are to behave as Christians. And 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John does a good job of that. But in the book of Revelation, he taught us there how to behold. Behold the Lamb of God. And oh, how we see uh, Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. Because we see all the beautiful things that are, uh, that are going to come to pass one day. We, see, we get a little glimpse of heaven. Uh, I, I think it's probably too much for us to even take in if we were to see the whole picture. And, and so the beautiful things that are coming to pass, and I've heard John uh, called the bullseye Christian. And if you do a study in the life of John, you're going to find some very interesting things here. In, and I, I want to just quickly go through this. In Matthew 9, 36, when he, that is, and it says, when he, Jesus, saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. Now, who was in that multitude? Oh, there was a whole host of lost sinners. But in that crowd was a man named John, who ended up being John the Apostle. He showed up again in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. He came out of the multitudes of lost sinners into the multitude of believers. Now, the next time that we see him, he's among the, the, the 5,000, uh, hearing from the bread of life as he fed uh, those people there. Next time we see him, he's in that little, a little smaller of a crowd, 3,000 there in Acts chapter 2, uh, that we see the people being saved and added to the church. And then next time, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6, 500 brethren at once. Um, and there, I uh, die daily was, was his uh, uh, motto there. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 says, Jesus uh, got 70 of his disciples, John being one of them, one of them, one of the 70, and sent them out two by two. And then we find John among the 12. And so every time we see John, as you go through that study of John, we see him in a little more centered life there, a little more dedicated uh, and looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. A little Jesus. Every time. Then I see him again, Peter, James, and yes, John. And that three, there they are in the sailboat. Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then finally, we find him in John 13, 23, where he is called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Five times Jesus, or John, was called that by Jesus. So we see the progression. Uh, where it's used in a good sense. Uh, progression used in, the John, in John's life, if he, as he 
closer to Jesus Christ. That's the plan for us. Let me ask you, are you closer to Jesus right now than you were, say, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15? There ought to be some progression. Now, the wonderful thing is, even when we mess up and we backslide, the Lord doesn't write us off. We have opportunity to repent, get back, get back on track, and continue to draw closer and closer to the Lord. So anyway, let me get here to his message in 1 John. This, he says in 1 John 1, 5, this is the message. Now, in the thought that this is the message, we, as I mentioned this morning, we have solid, concrete, specific assurance. We have, in the Word of God, stability. There's a steadfastness in the Word of God, a reliability. There's an anchor. It's immovable. That's what we have in the Word of God. There's nothing shaky, nothing insecure about the Word of God. There is nothing vague or unsure. There's nothing uncertain or inconsistent. Uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just as I mentioned this morning, and praise God, I never get tired of saying that. I never get tired of hearing that. Uh, we serve uh, the living Savior. We serve a Savior who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We don't have to try to figure out, well, what is he like now? Well, what do we have to do now to a... He's, he's even book here, how uh, we can please. But what is that message? He says here, God is light. In, in God, in, with God, there is no darkness. There is no bewilderment. There is no confusion. Look, we live in a world of confusion. We live among people everywhere that are so bewildered and uncertain. But as a Christian, we ought to stand out. We may not know what's going to happen with the political scene. We may not know what's going to happen in a lot of areas in this world, but we can say with confidence that we know Jesus Christ. We know what's going to happen as far as a prophecy is concerned. We know what's going to happen with us. If I die today, I'll be in heaven. I live, I know that I have a purpose for being here. I know God's word, the standard uh, uh, that we are to live by. And then God is love, he says. And in him is absolutely no animosity. There's no hatred in God. God is truth. In him is no falsehood. There's no, you can go from Genesis to Revelation, you'll never find anything that's false. It's all true. It's all right. Because God is truth. And God is holy. There's no wickedness associated with God. The message we get from the Bible is that this is it. This is it. This message is of a supernatural birth. Well, it seems like I've heard several here in the past couple years who have come on you know, here and there and just trying to talk about how uh, that uh, Jesus Christ really wasn't born of a virgin and this or that. <clears throat> There's a lot of uh, so-called preachers who deny the virgin birth. But it was indeed a supernatural birth. That's the message we preach. That's the message Paul preached. It's the message that we know is true. This is the message of a sacrificial death. Jesus didn't faint. Jesus died. And he was buried for three days. He was buried and he arose again that third day. Now, 
<clears throat> we believe in that. We, we preach that. This is a message of a Savior that is interceding on our behalf. And praise God for that. <clears throat> we have one that stands between us and the Lord and intercedes on our behalf. And then this is the message of the second coming of Jesus Christ. We preach that. We believe that. Jesus is coming again. He's coming in the rapture, but he's not going to come to the earth there. We're going to meet him in the clouds. After that, uh, that next coming, though, that second coming when he comes to the earth, um, as I said this morning, not as a, a, a lamb to the slaughter, but as the lion of Judah coming to conquer uh, this world. And then this is a message of a sovereign reigning God. Uh, there's no room for Allah. There's no room for Buddha. There's no room for whatever other God they want to place there. Uh, I, I've had people say, well, yeah, but you've got to be tolerant. Unkind. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm trying to be truthful. What is, what is worse? H how unkind is it to say to someone, oh, yeah, go ahead and believe what you believe. Trust that. They die and go to hell. But where's the kindness there in that? When we know the truth. Now, I'm not going to say it in that way. We need to learn how to say it tactfully with a heart of love and compassion. But nonetheless, we need to say it. They need to know the truth. And the truth will indeed set them free. But uh, the message of a sovereign reigning God, he will reign at, on this earth for a thousand years. Of course, he is reigning now. Uh, but on this earth physically, and he will reign forever. There is no end to his kingdom. There is no threat to his throne. There is no army that will ever defeat him, that will ever dethrone him. Uh, he will reign forever. And the word of God is clear on that. There is no question about what our message is. The question is, do we really believe it? Do we, as Christians, do we really believe this message? Could we stand with John and say, this is it? Not one of the messages. This is it. There's no other. And that's basically what John is saying. There is no other message that is as important. In fact, there's no other truth that is going to get anyone to heaven. This is it. This is the message. And, and so praise God. That's what John says in verse 5. Now go to chapter 2. And look at verse 25. 1 John chapter 25. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. So not one of the promises, not, not some promise. This is God's promise. And what is that promise? Of what kind of life? Eternal life. Hey, it's right there. John said this is it. This is the promise said that there are over are there are 30,000 different promises based on 31,173 verses in the Bible I haven't counted those to make sure that's correct but you can do that and let me know if that's on the mark but nonetheless there are thousands thousands that's the point uh, we could we could uh, talk here tonight all night about the promises of God remember he promised us abundant life that we, we can have he promised uh, one of the most amazing things, forgiveness. We can be forgiven. He promised to provide our needs. He promised to guide and direct us. He's promised that, to give us the peace and the joy, even in the times of suffering. So these promises are, are simple. 
they're easy to be understood. And, um, and we find Peter said this, they're exceeding great and precious promises. Well, they're great, they're precious. And uh, we need to just take, him, take God at his word. He's promised these things, we need to believe it and live like we are a child of the King of Kings. Then thirdly, uh, go to chapter 3 and look at verse 23. Chapter 3 and verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So this is the commandment, John says. Now what is the commandment? Here we have a summary of all, really, the summary of all ten of the commandments in the book of Exodus chapter 20. Uh, the expression here of God's will for us. But R.G. Lee said this, These commandments are the marble pillars that will hold up our society. The mirror we look into, if, every, if everybody would just absorb all the truths of these are of the commandments of God, there would be no problems in this world. These pillars have been knocked out uh, from under uh, what, uh, what holds this country up. I mean, there's been a, an all-out attack. Now, some of us think it just happened here the past couple years, but this has been going on since the beginning of this nation. You could say it, it, it began back in the Garden of Gethsemane. Satan has had his plan as well. He's not as powerful as, as God. He's not all-knowing like God, but he sure is a very powerful an enemy to be reckoned. And as America, we can see slowly but sure some changes that were made, some uh, progression away, and that tried to get the thinking of, really, propaganda, thinking, the thinking of the people's minds in a different direction. So that's why John here says, this is the commandment. Let's not be, let's not be deceived. Let's not be uh, uh, tossed about with every wind of doctrine. But understand that this is it. We have God's commandments right here. If you have someone get up and say, well, I have a new commandment. One that God has not shared in the Bible, but he's only shared with me. Well, you might as well leave right then. He has no authority. There is no new commandment. This is it. This is it. We have all of his commandments. Then he goes on in chapter 5. Look there, if you would, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Even our faith. So this is the victory, John says. You want to know how to overcome the world? Well, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. This victory covers all areas of struggles, all problems in our life, in, in every one of our lives. So this is the victory over self by faith. I get victory over the flesh by faith. I get victory over the world, over Satan, over temptation and lust and bitterness in my heart. I get victory over all of those things by faith, by faith. I get victory over hurt feelings. I get victory over defeat and depression and discouragement, again, by faith. An old man who had a great attitude, he was asked, well, 
how, how he could always be so upbeat. You had these things happen to you and this happened to you. How can you be so upbeat all the time? And he said, well, I read the last chapter. And amen, I read the last chapter too. I know what's coming, and so do you. We know what's coming. We may suffer on this earth. We will go through some hard times on this earth. But one day, oh, it will be worth it all. One day we will be with the Lord. And the Lord is coming again. Now, we are on the victor's side. It's not a, we're, we're not standing by on the uh, sideline wondering, well, how's this going to come out? Who's really going to win? Like it is on election day, right? We're waiting and boy, I, I'm like some of you, I waited up real late and you want to see who's the victor of that election and you're not real sure and boy, you're saying, oh, I hope it's not that liberal. I hope it's not that uh, socialist. I hope it's not. And, and so, but we But, hey, he's all. It's not a matter of trying to decide. The war has been won. We're going to fight battles. But we are on the victor's side. Faith. Faith, victory over everything comes by faith. Well, John said in verse 5 of chapter 1, this is the message. Chapter 2, verse 25, he said, this is the promise. Chapter 3, verse 23, he said, this is the commandment. Chapter 5 in verse 4, he said, this is the victory. And then another one here, if you're still there in chapter 5, says this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his son now how do you know that you own your home I mean somebody knocks on your door one day and say wait a minute you're in my house so he makes claim on your house and you say no wait no this is my house well how, how is that going to be settled anybody have an idea what do you have to do not shoot the guy. Well, that might work. But, but what will really settle it, you go to the courthouse, look up the deed. There it is. This is the record. It's clear here. This is my property. Now, you can hit the road, and if you don't, you might be looking down the barrel of a gun. And so this, you, there's a record of it. Now, how can I claim I'm saved? How can I say I know I'm saved and I'm going? You can say, well, you... Some, and some do say this. Wait, wait a minute, you can't say that. You can't claim you can go into heaven. And then so can you. Because this is the record. This is it. The Bible tells me so. And the Bible's very clear. It's a clear record. And so how, how do you know that, that you own your car? Because you have a title to it. Hopefully it's clear. It's yours. But uh, it, it, that's the record. Uh, how can I prove to you that I have eternal life? Because I have a record of it. Jesus said, I give unto them who have placed their faith in him. I give unto them eternal life. and They shall never perish. The Bible is the record. I, love, I just love the way John put it there. This is it. And uh, this is the record. This is the victory. The last one here, go with me. Now, still in the same chapter. Uh, chapter 5 there. Look at verse, um, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in, what's that next word? In him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. 
And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, you, you can, if you mark your Bible, you can underline or circle that word anything there in your Bible. Now, I can get anything I ask for. Is that what it says there? Anything. Boy, let's see. I'm, yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's not anything, is it? It's according to his will. If I can get an agreement with the Spirit of God and, and that, that dwells within me, then God will hear me. Listen to Isaiah, Isaiah 59, verse 1. The arm of the Lord is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. It is important that I get God to hear. And the only time God hears me is if I pray in accord or in harmony with the Spirit of God that dwells within me. John 15, 7, if ye abide in me, Jesus said, and, and my words, his word, the word of God, abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. How much more positive can you be? God is not shaky or uncertain. No variableness, no shadow of turning. We will have the... Look, look. if we just, like John here said, this is it. We have the message. We have the promises. We have the commandments. Not We have the commandments. We have the victory. Let, with that in mind, this is how we can be. Just like Peter and... and and John were, go with me and we'll close with this, these verses here. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, this is it. I'll close with these verses because I love these verses too. Acts chapter 4, verse 5, where Peter and John were arrested. Uh, they were preaching the word of God and uh, they had uh, hands laid on them, thrown in prison. And then in verse 5, the uh, Sanhedrin, it says, and it came to pass, on the morrow, this is in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 5, that the rulers and elders and scribes and, and uh, Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And they had set them in the midst. And I've said this before, but this was their way. These, are the, uh, these men dressed in these priestly robes, very authoritative, and they were used to intimidating people. They set them in the midst of this high-ranking spiritual leaders of the land. And they were going to put these two guys in their place. They were used to men cowering in fear. But they didn't encounter these born-again Christians as was Jesus. In fact, Peter and John were here. And when they set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter Notice this, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by then you could see the veins bulging in their necks. Jesus, oh no, not him again, whom we ye crucified. Boy, Peter's uh, not mixing words here at all. Whom God raised from the dead, even by him 
doth this man stand here before you whole? This is the stone which was set in naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And then I love this verse. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is it. Saying the same thing John did. This is the message telling these religious leaders here, hey, you better wake up. This is it. And now verse 13. Um, and we'll just, this will be the end of that here for tonight. But now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with who? With Jesus. Oh, praise God. Folks, that's what we need. You, you know, sometimes we think, I don't have all the facts. I'm not, I, I don't have a, a, uh, a doctorate degree to be able to debate this person or that. Listen, you have something better. You have Jesus Christ. You can go and be with Jesus, do what he wants you to do. You can stand boldly knowing that this is the message. That this is the promise, this is the commandment, this is the victory, this is the record, this is the confidence. And we can stand. And we need, to, we need more Christians like that today. Father, we're